All right, episode eight. We got Kai Crusher on here. My boy from a long time, actually. Started out, not as really boys, but uh, we knew we, we've been known each other for about 10 years, probably. Um, yeah, he's a spa owner, um, interlude spa. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we played basketball to get or against each other. Did mm-hmm. we play together? We did play together. I think we did play together, yeah. On the summer? Yes, briefly. Yeah, a brief stint. Yeah, you, I'm sure you carried us, and we were. Uh, oh no! It was definitely a successful season. Like <laughs> I yeah. can just imagine. Yeah. Picture it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So I guess we'll start off. Uh, talk about what you do now with the spa. You know, I know you just said you're moving spots, and uh, yeah, just just talk about what you do there. On break time. I mean, it's not. Um, you know, I I would say it's. I'm almost like a uh, a janitor. Um, you know, I would be like a, a janitor that talks with everyone in the building and communicates with everyone. I just am a problem solver. So if you, you know if something goes wrong, I'm fixing it. it you know, it's a, it's a role of maintenance, hiring, firing. Um, it, it's been a pretty unique experience and opportunity because my, uh, it, you know, it was really the right place at the right time for um, my family and there was an opportunity for me to step in in a management role in which something that wasn't available and we had a, a previous uh, manager in that role for 25 years you know so it was almost just uh, it just a grandfathered in position and she was incredible and so to lose her was kind of a little bit like you know everyone I think was looking around going oh what's gonna happen here and, and uh, we were lucky enough that it things just kind of fell into place and I was at the right place at the right time and and combined with being um, consistent and showing up for work and and taking it serious and I mean I love that place you know it's it is um, it's we're third generation you know as my grandmother <clears throat> who came over from Germany from Saskatchewan oh, really? getting away from an abusive husband and uh, you know she was a single mother with two kids in the 70s she purchased a, uh, a small building down by the um, by the McDonald Bridge and then shortly after she moved from that location into a um, a small house on Octoloni, the space that we're at now in Dartmouth, uh-huh. and uh, at the time it was a small boutique retailer, and this woman did not want to sell this building to Ruth at the time, and Ruth is my grandmother, yeah. so she didn't want to sell her this building because you know a big part a big part of it was. It, women owning businesses weren't that common back then, you know, and especially, and I think it was a, a part of a pride thing that this woman didn't want to sell it and then have her be successful in that same space. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ruth offered her, you know, put offers in on the uh, the house and the, the building multiple times. This woman said no every time. And she went to the bank where Ruth did, and she actually found out that the place was being foreclosed on. So she got a friend of hers husband to go in with an offer in a suit and say, I'm on. so she said yes to this guy, and then it ends up being Ruth signing the papers. And so when this woman finds out, she says, okay, I'll, let's, I'll sell it to you, but you have to buy all of my inventory. And so she had a, a pretty significant amount of clothes left when she sold the place, and so Ruth said, okay. And um, you know our Brightwood golf, you know the golf course there. Yeah. So she rented out the main room there and had a uh, a fashion show, and whatever wasn't sold was donated to charity. Yeah. And um, that was almost like a perfect little, you know, a, a perfect little example of what our whole um, her whole process was through that. And, you know, it was 
it was objections, obstacles, and she would just figure out a way around it. Yeah. You know, she the the original building, the square footage was it's you know right around twelve hundred square feet. So just a it's a small. It was the priest's home of the church next door. Mm-hmm. The priest uh, priest actually lived there. The original building is like one hundred and twenty years old, and um, and Ruth saved up her money and after going and basically antagonizing the banks. They wouldn't give her a loan. She wanted to, she had 250,000 in cash. She wanted another 250,000 in cash. And uh, the bank would not loan her the money without a male cosigner. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? That was 40, 50 years ago. Bro, no, that was 80 something. It was like mid eighties. Okay. Like it was not that long ago as we think about it today. And as we think about like how crazy that would be for someone to go and and have be denied. And you, you know, you imagine how much Holy smokes, that would, uh, yeah, that person would be canceled pretty damn fast. Yeah, that's right. They would be canceled. That's one Instagram story, and TD would be going down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Imagine that's a, yeah, yeah, that would be not good PR. But um, anyway, she was, uh, so she was, right from the start, you know, she she ended up getting the money eventually. And she actually ended up taking it to, you know, the... The, um, a local councilman, she put up such a stink, such a fuss saying that, you know, this is not fair. And I mean, the interest rate back then was like 16%, bro, like crazy. You know, it was like, now it's like 2 3%. <laughs> yeah. People don't even understand how cheap money is nowadays to, uh, to borrow in comparison to what it used Especially to be. Especially now in the pandemic, oh, too. Oh, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she built a, just another <laughs> crazy story and just an example. She she built this massive extension on because the idea was for it to be a women's club back in the eighties okay. where girls would come and they'd get their hair done, nails done, yep. just kind of a break from the house. And and uh, it was just a different time. Women were usually staying at home; they had more free time. And um, <clears throat> so the idea was to build a a pool downstairs and um, a gym on the uh, up top, and then a uh, patio and balcony rooftop area where people could hang out wow. um, through the summer and stuff. And it was a pretty big project. And the architect who drew it up for her um, didn't was so dismissive and so not serious about the project that he actually he made like a seven foot miscalculation with where the bottom of the stairs would land. Um, so during construction, they had to they ended up finding this issue out, and she actually took the guy to court, and ended up winning. Um, because this guy was probably just thought it was like just some crazy bitch. She's not actually gonna do this. Yeah. You know, she's just gonna like she's just talking about it. And but she actually, you know, she actually went ended up finding the money somehow. And even when the um, the bank she had issues getting the funds at the end of the project, and she ended up creating a construction company. And her Brent and Ray, my aunt, yeah. ended up doing a majority of the finishing of the project. And so it was just every you know every objection they would just step overcome, step overcome. You know, it was no. Um, there was never any point where it was like, okay, well, maybe this wasn't, this isn't right, or this isn't for us, or, you know. So it's just to be a part of that. You, I almost carry that responsibility. I feel like there's, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be the best version of myself, I got to just show up every day, and learn a little bit more. And if any objections come, it's the same thing. It's that that is temporary. We will figure it out. And if you stay consistent. And we do the right thing. We treat our employees well. We treat the people who come in well. You know, I feel like it's um, it's sustainable, and that's how you do good business. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not just doing the numbers and and making as much money as possible. Doing good business is doing good by people who walk in. You know, mm-hmm. doing good by the people who you're sitting across from or talking to, and so people go and they say, you know, that's an incredible place, and then that just spreads. Uh, yeah. You know, combined with the marketing and getting the name out there. But if there's substance. 
you know, then you're then you're hard to beat. Yeah. That's so crazy what she had to deal with. Isn't like, that crazy? Way back, like, it's not even that long ago. No. And she had to deal with all that. It, yeah, you th- and you think, like, oh, man, what are we talking about? Like, World War Two? you know? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally, yeah, in the 80s, you know, yeah. people had the perms and were running around doing all crazy uh, shit, and you couldn't even get a loan. A woman couldn't even get a loan without a co-signer. That's like, insane. I know. So um, she moved from Germany, you said? Very young. So oh, okay. in Saskatchewan years and years ago and I don't know exactly it might have been in the 40s like uh, or late 40s yeah. early 50s but they basically gave up land in Saskatchewan they said if you're going to come farm it you can have the land so her parents came over and that they were incredibly poor so she yeah. grew up farming farming yeah, yeah. for uh, a certain she got she finished grade nine that was wow yeah she wow. she left school grade nine she's she's just an incredible like Perseverant, and she can. The woman can literally do anything. Like yeah. seventy some years old, she's seventy seven, I think, years old now, and she is like she still helps me with all of our accounting. She'll help me even like I'll consult with most decisions that I'm making. I still go and I consult with her. We get yeah. lunch every week, every two weeks. Yeah, you know, so she's um, she's a pretty incredible, inspiring person. Well, the business idea makes sense to what you just said because from her like relationship mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan or whatever. Yeah. Um, to where she started like a woman's club and think about what that was, would be like in the 80s like starting like a woman's club yeah well people didn't even when she had that idea at the bank the guys were like this is not gonna work they're like this isn't <laughs> this isn't insane. even a real thing they're like there's no market for this yeah. like there's no market for this here in Halifax at the time she really was you know 15 years ahead of her time mm-hmm. like when she was doing that mm-hmm. you know it was it was something that an idea that I'm sure would have flourished more when there was more population you know and and Dartmouth was a completely different city at that point, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So then she she still helps with you now. Oh yeah, yeah. She's very <laughs> she's still active with, you know. She's obviously she doesn't do any of the day to day stuff, and and um, and neither really does Brent. He, um, but Ruth is is an integral part still now of me doing what I'm doing, and because now it's a you know Brent has let me almost I will run it and if I come up into you know a space like a where I don't problem. know and yeah. yeah I come and I can contact them they're they're consultants you know so it's it's almost like I've had this accelerated business education because I've literally been running two businesses mm-hmm. you know for two years mm-hmm. and um, and seeing what it takes to run them and inventory them and stock them and make sure that you know they're profitable and, and where you can pay your employees out and still be comfortable because that's really the you know the goal I feel like good business is not just sucking every dollar out of the business as possible. It's like you keep the money back into the business, always yeah, improving. Reinvest it. Exactly. Yeah. Being able to bonus out your employees, things like mm-hmm. that, where it's like that's the kind of stuff that keeps people for a long time and it keeps them happy. And when they're doing services one on one, it's so powerful. When they're loving what they do, it just kind of like oozes to the client. Yeah. You know, the client can feel that. Yeah. Especially like um, nowadays too, where it's like people know like kind of how and like how they should be treated they're yeah. not just going to take some like bullshit from some company where they can just move and just go work at a quote-unquote better one do i feel like the pandemic was a huge shift in in people <clears throat> you know realizing or, or i don't know if they realized but it was a little bit of a it kind of shined a light on okay it's not just there's got to be a balance mm-hmm. you know in what you're doing there's mm-hmm. got to be a balance because people just burn out if not and and uh you know having a a purpose and when you're in a smaller family business environment it, it 
it might be a little bit easier because it, you're not working for this kind of entity, yeah. you know, or something that you can't see or talk to. It's like I'm there every mm-hmm. day. They can see the the bloodline of the business is there and involved. And, you know, it's, it's almost like when we succeed, we succeed together. You know, I'm hand in hand with these people. So when we hit numbers and they make the most money, uh, sorry, the most amount of money that they've ever made, it's like that is a such a great feeling to be a part of that. And it feels like they're, you know, they're not going and just punching a clock and not doing something that's inspiring. And the beauty industry is a, is a unique one because you are, you know, you're, you're giving a feeling. Like it's yeah. really just a feeling. Yeah. You want the person to feel a certain type of way when they leave that yeah. chair or leave the you know the hair chair or the pedicure chair. That's right. It's just a feeling. So yeah. you're it, you're not actually you know the the value and the number that you're going to put on it is completely you know kind of completely at the mercy of the service. So if you can give an incredible service, you can charge you know whatever mm. you want for a service like that. But obviously you have to have the substance and the the kind of stuff to back it, but it's one that is, you know, it's completely it's an emotion-based industry and you're giving a feeling, you know, so it's it can be very rewarding for the people in it. And and uh, you know, to see people that can feed their family and be comfortable and do that, you know, they're some of the happiest people. Yeah. That's a great way to put it because I said to a friend the other day, I was like, I never need a therapist. I just I just have my barber. Like yeah. I just have my barber. <laughs> I just true. I just that's true. all I need. That's yeah. all I need. And I just talk to him and it's kinda like a like I just kinda vent a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, just gets it all out and then you get that just good service afterwards and it's just like that was great. You know yeah, what I mean? You leave. you leave with a smile. Exactly. Yeah. With a feeling. Yeah. Um so you guys are moving from Dartmouth. Was Ruth happy about that? Ruth, we're not moving from Dartmouth. We're staying oh, in Dartmouth. Sorry. So our yeah. Halifax location is just moving. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. So yeah. you have two spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah, so that Halifax location is moving. And it, the Queensmark was in a pretty incredible opportunity. And uh, just, again, good timing. You know, yeah. we were in... Is, Halifax is a very small city, yeah. especially for that industry. You know, there are only our, our certain amount of players. Yeah. And um, we were just kind of at the right place at the right time. But, you know, crazy story in the, with the Queen's Mart. So before they even had broke ground, started construction, yeah. I um, heard and caught wind of And they actually approached us. And they approached me because I was the only one, you know, they could get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent's probably was floating in a pool in Mexico or something. <laughs> and uh, so I, I um, go over and I meet with this guy, Sam, who still works at uh, Armor Group. Shout out to Sam. And um, we chatted and I kind of said we got a great deal, you know, at the at that other um, location where we're at. And, and we'd, you know, we'd want a pretty competitive rent deal. And, and it was a little bit... Because that was what was coming from my dad was very much, you know, it's going to be very expensive. It's going to be very high price. Like, it's not even it's not even worth it, not even possible to go. And, and uh, I was kind of always thought, okay, no, we can we can figure this out. We can make it work. And, and uh, in a family, a family business, it's, it, you know, if we went to one location and there's only one business that's feeding everyone, the pressure gets really put on me to if we have a downswing or if we're lower in sales, right. you know, it's yeah. going to be the pressure is going to fall on me. And I, so I knew that. So I was kind of like, I knew, okay, we need to have a second location. We have to have another stream of income and it's good marketing for the Dartmouth location and vice versa, you know, that, yeah. um, and I thought that building was a fit from the start. And I had, um, in 2019, I had a, like an entry in my little book cause I have an organizer and I, you know, I write every single day I write in it mm-hmm. and, uh, that I had a note, I was flicking back through it and I was in, 
yeah, I had a note December, you know, 18th or something. <clears throat> and it was have a conversation, review numbers with Brent, pitch Queensmark, you know, and, and then a week or two weeks later, I had a follow up, okay, talk to Brent again with it. And it, we didn't end up signing the lease deal till. what would have been, it would have been April of 2021. Right, okay, so very recently, a couple months ago. Yeah, so that was something that, you know, and I uh, I just kept after him, like literally for two years, kept after him, pulled them together, put, okay, Brent, just come meet with them, sit, okay, let's review, let's crunch. There was a bell before that it. long? Well, they couldn't find anyone to fill it because one uh, at a time, I mean, yeah, everything's yeah, closed. Yeah, There's no businesses that are able to afford to go in. I mean, you have to pay yeah. a significant amount of money to build out a brand new space. Yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, it's you're, you're dropping a chunk of change oh, yeah. to do the construction alone, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's like, there weren't a lot of places, and especially with such a downturn and everyone being shut down, mm -hmm. there was really no, uh, you know, no other viable options for the time being. And and uh, the Queen's Mark, I know they were super motivated to get a spot in there because that's kind of a vital part to a hotel, mm -hmm. you know, and to have that kind of that soft touch. You know, we pitched ourselves as the heart of the Queen's Mark, like yeah. we're the we're the heart and the feel of that building, right down in the middle of it, right on the street there, and. Um, and we, you know, we will provide service for all the people who live in the residence and the people in the apartment, and the people who work in the in the work offices. And uh, it's, it's crazy to think that it was that long and that conversation stayed. And there were lots of times where, you know, you got discouraged. You were like, oh, we weren't going to get, we weren't going to be able to sign a deal and they wouldn't meet. And then we just, uh, you know, after working away, it was just right. Like it was just mm -hmm. right and supposed to be. But it's a it's another one of those things. I feel like it's it's back to that almost Ruth you know mentality yeah. of like listen if if you can visualize it and picture it and see it and you just don't give up working on it and okay let's try this how what if we did it this way and then you know and it's gonna be tight and we're gonna really be have some pressure on us to perform and succeed but that is not a bad thing you know and and uh, I'm really banking on this kind of coming out of this pandemic is going to be like another roaring 20s. People are just going to be excited oh, to live. Oh, I think so. Excited oh to experience. Oh my God, I yeah, think so. Exactly. Well, even me, I've noticed I've just been like, because, oh, man, I barely spent like any money when, I, when we were in like 2020, yes, say like that. That's fun. That's good. And then now it's just, I just, yep. I, I can already see it, but mm -hmm. even with myself, but I just think it's, it is going to be like the roaring 20s. Like, yeah. People are just going to go crazy and just, because the, because they're gonna try to make up for like that time lost almost, where like Absolutely. they just, you know, they were locked down. They couldn't do what they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So now it's gonna be doing double what they wanted to, basically. Um, I was gonna say that location does really matter so much, eh? Dude, it's uh, especially to a service where you can't really provide it like online per se. Yes, and and the spa is almost the beauty industry is almost recession proof. You know, because there's okay. the people in recessions, they stop paying for, they stop buying brand new $100,000 cars, right. stop buying houses, but they still spend $50, $60 on their manicure. Uh -huh. You know, it's like those services are, they're almost recession proof and pretty consistent. And um, there's not as much dips as other markets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not as it's not as volatile. I mean, it would dip with anything mm -hmm. if we were to have an economic crash. I mean, we would definitely lose sales and and lose numbers. But it um, people will still find 
money in their budget to do those things and treat themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it is a unique, it is kind of a unique spot like that. Yeah. For me, like so many people, like the hair stuff, like the quarantine hair and it was just, it was crazy. And then when you finally, when people finally like are free and get out and get the chance to go do get their nails done or get a pedicure or get their hair done or whatever. It's just like a weight off their shoulders. Like, oh, ah. man. You should, and people are so gracious. You know, it's so nice to see. Oh, I know. Especially so, with small businesses. Oh, man. Too. And, but, you know, it's and you say that, and then on the flip side, too, there there are still, you know, people that would, uh, would come and try to bully the service provider or us and because they, they know that they're, the chance of them getting their money back from a small business is probably better than mm-hmm. a larger company, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of, you see it and where, where it's, it's very blatant because they're not, the anger goes away very quickly. Like mm-hmm. you notice that they're really pissed off and then a day later, they are like, yeah, and you know what, I just, my emotions got the best of me or whatever it was, but it's uh, disappointing sometimes to see where people will come in and they'll be, uh, you know, this service provider wasn't even able to generate money for a certain period of time and then to be complaining and going on about and and get a service that then you end up not paying for and then don't tip the person, you know, mm-hmm. so the person doesn't make any money. It's like, have a little sense in that, that there are some where you're like, really? Yeah, that seems like you would know that obviously that's not the right thing to do, yeah. but there has been so much support and so many people that come in and, and uh, I'm a very you know I'm a very like connect person I like to uh, even with my buddies I like have my arm around my buddies and hang it like I like I thrive off the connection of being close to people and that's why I love my job of working and managing 50 people because I like talking I like knowing things about I like being um, feeling involved and and um, and being connected and uh, so you know coming out of that it it has been a little tough where you're uh, I'm very much looking forward to the point where we could take masks off just to see people's face I know know, it's like that is such a you you realize that you do miss you do miss that it doesn't make the work the same like and when seeing people that you haven't seen and and uh, and you know seeing that they're they're okay and they're safe and they're good and Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like a it'll be so so sweet when when you really can see people and yeah. and uh, have that full thing because it's it's the same but it's not yeah you know, it's, it's not. like I always said uh, now is a good time to get braces if you ever wanted them yeah but you, you kind of like it is like you need to see like your face and your expressions just for basic we literally feed off it yeah like it's it's like we're little connectors like we're little you know we're little nodes that we need to interact with each other and we're not singular like mm-hmm. we are a collective species yeah. we are not one singular person mm-hmm. and um that's one of the issues now today is that it's it's so singular it's all about just you or yourself and um, it, you know, it's it's really get away from like we are we built we everything that we've been able to succeed with has been community. Yeah, it's not been one person. It's been yeah. a collective group of people that will decide to work on something or decide to kind of put their heads together and and, and do it and get it done. So it's you can see it's so unhealthy. I mean, it's blatant. Like mental health, I'm sure is oh, yeah. is much worse after that. You know, it's just to isolate people and take them away from the connections and and um, 
just even to have to say something to you and not do it over Zoom, but see you in I person and Zoom. see your expression <laughs> and, and see how you react. Yeah. It's so much, um, so much better. I'll leave this conversation feeling charged and like, okay, I was, uh, you know, I'll have a better day because of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Other than just like, I find talking basically talking to a computer. It's not. It's not even close to the no. same no. as with, you don't see any like. What is the stat? Isn't it like 80% of communication is like nonverbal? I believe that. Yeah. And you just do, you realize, you realize, start to realize it when you're talking to someone over Zoom. And you can't really tell like their emotions, their like expressions, their body language kind of thing. Um, But yeah, in person, I can't wait for the masks to come off. I think they're going to come off under a month. Yeah, a couple but of August, buddies. I would say. One friend out in Alberta and one friend in PEI. PEI so just uh, took theirs off. Yeah, Nick yeah. and Keenan. So those guys are, are celebrating over there. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it must feel, it's got to feel nice. I always think that people will still have common sense. Like, not everyone's going to take them off. No, no. So it's not going to be, like, from 100 to zero right quick. Like yes. It's, it's going to be slower. There's going to be people that are more conservative. There's going to be people that will rip them off right away. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah. it's not, I just think there's a point where it's like, there's got to be a point where we get back to normal. And it's, it's, it's close. Can't be, it can't be far away. Well, no. and honestly, the, the thing is, you know, I'm not, uh, and I, by no means am I an anti-masker. No, I mean, and, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's, it, when, when is it just choice? When do we get the free will to, mm-hmm. to make a decision? And if someone's not comfortable, I celebrate that. You don't want to take mm-hmm. your mask off? No problem. I will mm-hmm. not. I would not make you feel. I would not look at you a type of way. I would not make you feel like you're wrong for wearing it. But when do we, as adults, mm-hmm. get to make the decision? Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like a. It seems it seems strange that in 2021 we're we're you know, taking commands from our government like that. And uh, it, it just is something to think about going forward. Like, hey, let's probably not get in that situation again where we're just relying on this one entity to tell us how yeah. to live our life and and not obviously think about it. But I, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying boycott the government or anything like that, but it's just kind of, it's, it's just interesting to think, okay, we just got all of our, a lot of our freedoms or a lot of those rights kind of just taken away and there wasn't a ton of pushback mm-hmm. you know and now we're standing here going yay can we take our masks off yet you know government it's mm-hmm. like it it'd be what if people just took them off yeah you know i know <laughs> they couldn't like they couldn't police it no and so it kind of i feel like if it's kind of like okay you guys are adults and it's we're not going to not let you not cross the road yeah, you know, it's like saying, "Listen, nobody can cross the road until the government says cross the road." Too many people are getting hit by cars. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just doing it for your safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also people start just crossing the road. Yeah, it's just be. Yeah, it's like you said, <laughs> just be an adult. Like be. Use if you're sick, common if sense. you're sick and you're not feeling well, put the mask, put the mask on. Mask and that's on. a great thing to do. That's and that's it. you know, it's admirable. It's in Asian culture that has been a norm for a long time. Yeah. You know, so 
it's uh, I, I think that they might always and even in our industry I'm sure like yours it might mm-hmm. when you're treating someone or one on one with someone wearing the mask it's like mm-hmm. a dentist they've mm-hmm. always worn the mask mm-hmm. so we might be uh, I think in, in our business we're going to be the same thing we're mm-hmm. the estheticians and they're okay wearing the mask when they're doing the services mm-hmm. but when they're not they can take the mask off and talk to the client and you mm-hmm. know have those conversations still so you get the best of both worlds yeah like yeah just use common sense. Like when you're in a room together for or with a patient t- for you know an hour, massage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're kind of sick or you're feeling not right. Put the mask on. Or if you're in a, like for for me for planes, I'm definitely gonna wear one on a plane. Yes. Like to me, it's like everyone. It's tra- I'll travel. Mm-hmm. Like it's the case. So I'm I'm the plane, but uh, you know, just to go in and get coffee, no. Like yes, the chance, I, I just more. I agree. I'm a probability chance guy. Like I go with the odds basically every single time. Yeah. And I don't think they're that they're that they're not that high. No. You just if it's if it's a quick interaction, I think yeah. it's a more of a prolonged thing. There's not a lot of point of contact. I mean, unless you're going mm-hmm. in there and giving your uh, barista a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. You know, but exactly. <laughs> that not saying that, not saying you wouldn't, but yeah, yeah, it's, that'd be a different story. Yeah. Well, soon. Um, I want to talk about basketball growing up. Yeah, let's get into that a little bit. Let's do it. Enough I with the business stuff. I haven't touched a basketball stuff. in a, a um, long time. Sorry? <laughs> I haven't touched a basketball in a long time. I did. I was honestly not that bad. <laughs> but I it's it. weird. It's it. different. It's so different. It's like anything. You pick something up, and you're like, oh, shit, I haven't touched this in like a year. Dude, you want to know a perfect example that literally last night I, I went to um, a pawn shop, and I was on like this this just mission to find Guitar Hero mm-hmm. and a guitar and play oh it. Because I was like, man, I, I'm i getting a fucking guitar. Yeah. I'm not stopping until I find one. So I did find one, and I had to buy an Xbox 360, the whole deal, and was playing it. And hadn't played it in probably, you know, since I was 15, 16. <laughs> I got on, shredding. Shredding. I was on, oh, yeah. I was on hard. Not an expert, but I was on hard, and I was flowing. So I was, I was definitely, I was like, man, this is like... I kind of forgot I knew how to do this. Like, sometimes the fingers oh were just, God. just talking for themselves. <laughs> yeah. and I really, I wasn't even controlling. It is yeah. nothing like playing actual guitar. There was a phase in quarantine where I was so bored. I was like, it was probably April or May of 2020. Yeah. And uh, I bought a guitar. I was like, you know, I'm going to learn, try and learn to play it's it. It's difficult. So, probably the hardest thing that I've ever tried to do. I'm serious. I can't do it. I can't do oh, it. I know. The and thing, it is, it is tough, man. Yeah. No, you, you know what? My confidence was a little bit up after my Guitar Hero session, even this, you know, last night. But now that you said that, I'm starting to rethink it a little bit. I shouldn't. I was going to pick up a real guitar here, but yeah, maybe, maybe not. And no, then, but what was it? Sorry to interrupt you on the basketball side. I know I just went um, no, 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 no worries. Any tangent about Guitar Hero is good. <laughs> um, uh, no, basketball. So you played Dartmouth basically your whole life. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I Dartmouth played for the same records. The same The slam. The slam. The yeah. Slam. Everyone the hates the slam. It was so funny. Oh, my God. Well, I, I like, always knew what we were, like, looked at as and just, like, a bunch of hick grinders, I basically. I, you know what? I, to be honest, I think our growing up, we didn't know what 
St. Margaret's Bay was. Like, we were like, I don't know what that area <laughs> is. Like, I don't know, geographically, I can't really nail down this person. So I don't know, like, are you out rural or are you, like, in, you know, are you in Sackville? Like, where are, yeah. you know, what type of person is this? I think you guys were very, um, almost just geographically kind of unknown. You know, yeah. it would be like uh, when you catch a, you know, a Pokemon or something, they don't even know where they're from. Like, they're, this is a not, this person is not native to anywhere. They just kind of float, you know, near a oh bank. My that God. was, the, yep, that was kind of the, the idea, I think, yeah. that when, when we were growing up. We were like, I don't know, these guys are good. I don't know where the hell they're from. I don't know what bay they're playing at or where they're playing, but... Some of these boys can ball. That's so fun. And we had, like, the shittiest gym ever. Do you remember? It was, like, blue floor. Oh, yeah. It was trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we can talk much in Dartmouth, but yeah. we, I don't know if we even had a gym. <laughs> 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 Playing in the basement of a church or something. <laughs> oh, man. That was fun times. Um, when did you actually start playing basketball? Uh, I started playing ball pretty young. Pretty young. I was... um. I think I started like when, you know, in mini and I, I did kind of played all the way up, but I didn't really go super serious into basketball until I was maybe, you know, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And because um, I played hockey too. I was oh, did you? Player. I did not know that. I liked to, I was a, a hockey player and, and uh, I loved hockey, you know, growing up. That was kind of my, uh, the my first, like if it would be, you know, hockey was number one, basketball would have been number two. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, but then at a certain point, <clears throat> It switched because my dad did get into. Um, my dad played basketball, and you know yep. Brent, and he yep. was he was uh, got very into the coaching side of it, and he did yep. all the you know the That's qualifications, right. he the coaching yeah. qualifications, and then he went off and he went and did like a couple Duke coaching things and he was just I think just feeling energized and juiced up and uh-huh. so he said you know okay and that's when he took over coaching for us at that age at 13 and so I had a lot of friends who kind of and those are the guys you were playing in high school like Nick Green, yeah. T.T. Brooks, mm-hmm. you know Scott Hardigan, uh, Ian and Gavin, Ben Kidston like these guys we had literally played since we were 14 years old mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. so we would and that was really the reason why we were like we were a competitive team always mm-hmm. you know we oh, lost yeah. in the finals oh, yeah. and and we had uh, and then I think we got bronze in our grade or my grade 12 year like we were always you know, top of the threshold, and it wasn't athletically. It was just because we just had played together so long, and our chemistry was so good, mm-hmm. and we just covered for each other, and we were, you know, we had, we were uh, just almost like, uh, and played together not only through the spring, we would play all summer. You know, mm-hmm. we'd go and we'd play the travel teams in the summer. We'd play for the junior high team, and then we'd play the club team. So we were always playing, yeah. you know, all, all year, yeah. all year long. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were actually a really good team. You guys had, like, your roles, I think. That's exactly. We were all knew what we were supposed to do. Yeah. And we so we would always out, out do expectation. Yeah. You know, I think that was people would not expect a lot from us because we weren't super athletic. We weren't, like, you know, the quickest. We had some quick guys, but we were yeah. just, we would just move the ball, play hard. Like, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. I hated playing against some of your, the oh, guys yeah. on your team. But it was just, it was, uh, it was just because they were good. Not gonna lie, they were good, and um, they they just sometimes they'd get in my head, and I'd be like, "Oh, I gotta play this fucking guy." You know what I mean? Probably what Ian and Gavin. One of Ian those and Gavin. Guys. Yeah, I don't even go. know what both of them say. I don't oh, really yeah. know the difference. Ben Kidston was really good, dude. So he like Ben is incredibly naturally athletic, and, and his hand coordination is off the charts. Like the don't. guy can pass. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. it blows your mind. He's like throwing these behind the back. Passes like Ben was the best player on the team, you know, and I, I mm-hmm. had, uh, he was always kind of the, 
the guy was the heart and soul. You know, he was kind of mm-hmm. what everything rolled around, mm-hmm. and he would just, if Ben was on, we were a tough team to beat. Like, mm-hmm. we'd beaten Auburn, and we'd, you know, we'd beaten some tough, some tough teams, and those boys would always get the, kind of the best of us growing up. I don't yeah. think we ever beat East Preston until, um, until high school. We'd beat some of those guys, John Neal, Levi, and they were studs, man. What a stacked team. Yeah, Jesus, they were studs. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. They had four, four AUS players? Basically. Oh yeah, at least. Or, yeah. I, I mean, college. Players. In two years, they had a, a a number of them, and guys that even would go play football. You know, Dan, yeah. Daniel. Um, I forget Daniel's uh, last name, but he's again stud, yeah. like a beast. Yeah. Um, for us, it was probably basically Matt was Matt McVeigh. Yeah. Wasn't just I played with him forever. Like basically growing up, all he was nasty. Yeah. Absolutely nasty score. Yeah, I whenever I would just I just all right. Where's Matt? Just. Yeah. Pass the ball, just score. Oh yeah, we knew we were oh, yeah. when we'd play say, our search on A and stuff. We knew okay, oh, we just got to fucking. Especially in high school, remember playing him? He, had, I think he dropped. He might have dropped fifty on us in high school, but yeah. we won. Guy was auto, but it was close. Oh yeah, guy yeah. was auto. He had the ball in his hands the whole game. You'd be oh, yeah. like <laughs> every time there was no break. Like yeah. and me and Eli would guard him, and and um, we were probably you know Matt would probably be like those guys. We're a little greedy. Like, we were roughing them up. Like, we oh, would, yeah. I'd be wow. pulling them, grabbing them, hitting them. Like, Eli was pretty. We were like, there were some games where I think there was one in PA where he fouled out or we got him so frustrated, but we were like, it was, there were some fouls that should have been called that were not called. We were. I felt we bad for him. I felt yeah, bad for him. He was absolutely carrying that team <laughs> on his shoulders. And I some. did. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and some. And uh, yeah, I think we played him in like, I don't know one of the tournaments in high school, like provincials maybe or something, and we knocked him out. I don't know. And, and he had 50. I don't even think he played. Like, I think he was playing just by himself sometimes. Like, I don't even think there was anyone else on the floor. Like, his coach might have not He had 50, and they might have scored 70 in. in total. Maybe. If that. Yeah. Like, they'd be, to push 65 for that team. Think about be, that. Yeah, it was, um, no, there was, yeah. I, there was times where you'd look and you'd be like, there's 12 guys on the bench, and there's Matt and one other guy on the I floor. think we played like, boxing one on. Yeah, you'd... Yeah, you'd. <laughs> <laughs> to think about how that's only been done, I've only seen that. I don't know. I saw it with Carson in high school. I think that's it. That's all I've, I've ever seen it. You know, we were... We didn't have to... We TT was a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. TT was a dog. And so we, we could pretty much just get him to go guard the best player on the other oh, team, yeah. and yeah. he would give him a fit. He'd give, yeah. him the, give him hell. Like, and he was so fast. And Nick Green was a bullet. Like, yeah. Nick Green was so fast, so athletic. It's funny how, like, like I'm friends with Nick Green now. Like I, He's a great guy. Yeah, and it's, like, it's so funny how it's, like, you grow up and you play these guys, and you're, like, you're not, you don't hate them, but you're, like, we're, you know, we're not friends, like. You know what I mean? Yes. Exactly. And then now it's like, oh, we're cool. We see each other on the golf course the yeah. other day. Hey, hey, what's up, buddy? And, yeah, uh, yeah it's, that's just so cool to me. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, yeah, your is where did your high school three years? Yeah. Yeah, it was just three years, too. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are... Why don't you go to CPA? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, definitely didn't go to surgery. Yeah. No, screw that mm. school. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I wasn't there in the corner waiting for Matt to pass me the ball. But, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Matt's a good guy, too. We just hang out sometimes, too. And, uh, yeah, it's it's cool. He, uh, when he, uh, 
like played for Dell and stuff. He was mm. yeah. I was rooting for that because he deserved it. Like he's he's literally a bucket. Yeah, he is. He just needed the ball in his hands a little bit. But that Dow team was was they're real good. Oh yeah. And, you know they're real good, and they're sometimes they're better off having the ball moving and mm-hmm. shooting. You know, it's, it's sometimes a guy like. Matt, you'd think is it's there's like a lot of players like that where they're so they're good but they need the ball in their hands, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. produce and and I mean Matt can hit open shots and things like that. But when that Dow team was like firing that ball around and Alex, you know, cut kick like they were they're hard to beat and mm-hmm. the boys hitting threes and mm-hmm. but there were some games Matt was playing in the AUS. I remember we'd always uh, go and watch him and and he had one uh, like a really good game and it was so good to see. He saw his dad sitting down in the. Um, courtside and yeah it's he loves seeing that local guys like that getting shine and especially after he had you know it's a journey it's those, I, those are I, long those seasons oh yeah i love how good like scotia has gotten at basketball yeah i think we just blown up dude and you know what i feel like every there is no animosity ever you know i don't i i don't know anyone i've never had an experience personally where i've seen anyone that i've kind of played against whether it's from the john neos to these people that we would have like really you know pretty bitter rivals where you're like man i want to beat this guy so bad like mm-hmm. that would be the you know you're just like fuck i want to beat this guy uh, every time you come to play you're like this is i'm gonna beat him i'm gonna beat him <laughs> and, when, and when they just beat you beat you beat you like to get him when on people like that yeah. so good but i see john neal now it's all love like he's a great guy and everyone that i you know i can't i don't even know anyone that i don't like you know there's mm-hmm. a, that i've met in that uh kind of community and so even seeing people when you go to the games and you know at aus and you get to see everyone like it is so great that basketball community is is awesome i know like it it's is always so cheering great. for people oh man yeah. and that's the thing i hate like i feel like with and if you're being successful or you're chasing something it's very easy to cheer other people on and want them to succeed as well totally. you know i feel like if we're all succeeding it's better for every single person involved mm-hmm. yeah yeah Go Kadia though, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I it's, think Eli's going back for his 11th year, I think, now. He's so, going back for yeah. oh, one yeah. last one, I think. Yeah, no, he's, Eli, uh, I don't know. I feel like he never got that. They haven't clicked, you know, that whole team. They got so many good guys, so many good yeah. players. They just, they need to, uh, and they need a little bit more. Well, this will be their best chance, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, it's kind of like you saw it. Uh, like what was it, for like, I don't know, a few years ago with that team too. Basically, with the Katie team when they yes. got like all the Bedford kids, and they were like, all right, in four years we'll be good. <laughs> and then they were good. They were pretty good. They were. Um, and then same thing. Like th- I think this is a good year. This will be a good year. Yeah, call. I, I don't know. And I don't know. I don't want to say because I don't know anything about anything, let alone um, coaching basketball. Yeah. Like, I've never coached basketball in my life, so all these you know just preface that, but. The, I feel like when you're in a university or when guys are that young, 18, 19, 20, you know, early 20s, they're so impressionable. You need someone who is like almost not a dictator, but like you got to be afraid of this person. Mm-hmm. You know, this, uh, mm-hmm. all those, uh, you think of all those college in the, in the States, all those college coaches, <coughs> like they are, they are guys that you would be intimidated and afraid of. And mm-hmm. if they're saying something, it is like, you're like, okay, that's what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and and um, especially defensively, I find if if a team's a really good defensive team, they have a good coach. Yeah. Because that's a guy who can motivate people, keep people accountable. You know, so if you look at a team and their defense isn't very strong and then they're not sharing the ball a lot on offense, you most likely would look, okay, this is, this is maybe a 
top-down issue. People don't know the rules. Mm -hmm. People don't know because when people know the rules, they're going to be more uh, motivated to to do their roles. Do the roles you know, and be successful. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have that in football a lot too. That's where I think, like, I don't know, basketball is a little soft, like kind of a little in my opinion. Where and especially it comes from the coaches too, like. Sometimes you need to put your foot down and be like, yeah. just cuss them out, swear at them, like yeah. You'll yell. You'll respect from the guys. Oh, my God. And it gets you fired up. Like, it got me fired up. And uh, and there's, there'll, there'll always, always, always be assistant coaches that are chill yep. and that you can talk to. Exactly. Always. Yep. Yep. But I think the head coach or, you know, something like that has to be, uh, like you said, an authoritative figure kind of thing. The assistant coach could go and have lunch with the player and sit with them. Totally. Head coach? No. Yeah. No. It's like that's a, you know, that's a, it's it's like with my employees. I don't go and sit in the mm-hmm. staff room. You know, right. I don't, because there has to be a barrier between me and people that work for you. It has to be, uh, you know, because it makes things too difficult. It makes them too emotional because if yeah. you get so attached to Spencer, the coach has to be able to make a decision exactly. not based on Spencer, but based on what's best for the team. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so then the assistant coach can kind of take over the... Yeah, and can come and say, Spencer, he still likes you, man. Don't worry. Yeah. He still loves you. <laughs> oh, just but he's doing this just because, you know, yeah. Yeah, da, yeah. da da So this is... And, and uh, he's the kind of guy that, that is the, the voice of reason and, you know, will listen to you. But the head coach has got to be ruling with an iron fist, in my opinion. That's what I've seen that has worked the most for us and other, you know, organizations and things like that that I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. See, it's like the... You know, you're not friends. You're not best friends with the coach, mm-hmm. head coach. I think they know. need to know when to kind of turn it on to. Yeah, like absolutely. Kind of flip the switch and be yeah. like, all right, it's go time now, kind of thing. But if you and don't do it until that point, then exactly. they don't respect you. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's not genuine. It's like you're forcing it. Yeah, it needs to be done. From this, you know, you need to get a sense of what it's going to be like, kind of from the start. Yes. From yeah. in sports, it would be from training camp, kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, in business, it would be basically from the start. Exactly. So you set the expectation before they even walk through the door. Exactly. What this is going to be, and then you uphold that. Yeah. Consistently. What would I was always interested in this because I think it's a good question. What was your What would be your favorite play? So you're playing ball, playing ball, and one three. Uh huh. Like and one say and one step back three. Oh okay, wow. Or like a and one dunk. Fuck, I don't know if I've done either. So I'd say the and one. I'd say the and one three because I was a man. I like to think of myself as a man of the people, and I would have turned to the crowd maybe (laughs) and said something. That would be like I would. I liked to engage the audience. I kind of did too. And uh, I like yeah. to shit talk and uh, like Auburn was always a great place for that. And PA we'd have the people lined on the side of the wall. You remember that? Yeah. And so that was like I kind of loved that and I feel like the step back three would have been um, more up my alley yeah, you know back then. Sure. Yeah I wasn't really yamming on people. That was Eli. <laughs> <laughs> that was Eli. <laughs> <laughs> Eli. Leave the dunks to him. Yeah. Eli was like whenever we played because I think sometimes we did play like against both of you maybe mm-hmm. I don't know for some yeah, spring yeah, team some. no in PA Eli played oh that's right yeah, yeah. 10, um, um, Eli was always like more a little more reckless yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he was younger, too, so that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, no, he was always good, and you were always good, too. And I, I could tell the difference between you two, but I can't tell the difference between the um, Eden Gavin. Eden I could Gavin. never do it. Yeah. Never. I just 
I don't know. It's yeah, one no, of the twins. It's true. That's they're, they're, and they look very. They do look. They did look super similar, especially in high school too. They're great guys, man. They were over at my house last night. We were yeah. I bet. The UFC That's the thing. Event. Oh yeah, did yeah. you? Want, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, dude? I thought the uh, that that McGregor fight could have been like all time if that didn't happen. <clears throat> yeah, you see. I watch a lot of UFC. Like, yeah. I'm a big. I like. Uh, I've been into UFC. Bit, you know, pretty heavy for the past like two years and two and a half years. And um, yeah, I think. I mean, Conor McGregor didn't. He hasn't been as active. He hasn't fought as much. You mm-hmm. know, Dustin Poirier is a fighter, man. That guy's in the mix. He is. He is uh, legit. He's been chasing it and working for it and putting in the time. And you see, it's undeniable. Like, I think they run that back, they do it again, it would be the same result, man. Like, mm-hmm. Dustin is just, he's just sharper, he's just done it longer, and it's, but it's a good lesson for anyone who, um, you see, if you get away from the basics and what got you successful, yeah. like, anyone's, anyone can fail, you know, yeah. any person, even this, like, Conor McGregor, almost, like, figure where you're like, this guy's can't miss, like, he, mm-hmm. everything he does, he nails it. You see him, he can get his fucking face punched in mm-hmm. and uh, he's human too and it kind of humbles you I think everyone watching that and you were like jeez okay this yeah. is this Dustin guy's for real and and uh, you don't just get to just because you say you're good and you say this and say it doesn't mean that you can just do it mm-hmm. and walk through it yeah like it takes a special person to do both mm. to talk it's, to talk and walk a walk it's such a short window that that they really have like I know he's still what like 30 yeah He's 30, I think he's, yeah, 31, 32. Yeah. He's just over 30. He's not, but, young, not an old guy no, by any means. It's so short. Like, no guys. He was on a long run there when he was winning. Yeah. And he had, like, both belts and he was dominating. Yeah. Um, and then the boxing thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I love all what he did, like, all the choices to get that just crazy paycheck. Yeah. And do that. Then the pandemic kind of happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I respect all his decisions, but yeah, it's like you said, you got to be active. Like you got to have fights every seven, six months, kind of. You know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, um, and then with the leg, like he's gonna be a, a year, most likely. And I see, I think that was really Dustin's bad, gonna. Was I know, it, dude, it's really a, bad. a horrible I, I injury. I hate watching those. Like, I know. I don't know what's been going on. Why guys have been fucking snapping their legs? I know. Like that. I don't know if it was and like they've yeah. had a couple of them. You know that is that's happened to. Like, it's such on? a nasty injury because, Ugh. and then you basically, you you worsen it and you step back on it because you you don't really know it's like there. Well, it oh, kind of, yeah. Um, he might he might have known like it was well it was obviously sore and hurt, but yeah. then you're not gonna like not step back on that oh, leg yeah. well, and twist on that leg. I don't even know if you you know you know if you it's mm-hmm. just like happened so fast that you go whoop and next yeah. thing you know you're I, on the ground. He did like look down. down. Yeah, he like kind of looked down. I knew right away when we were there. I was we were sitting with like 15 people at my place last night, um, and as soon as it, I was like, oh, he broke his leg, and yeah. I started looking away, and, and people were like, what? What is it? I said, watch, he broke his leg. He stepped back, and his his ankle just went, and then yeah. his and then Dustin just pounded his face, and but that was happening. Like he was. He was getting pieced up. He wasn't winning that fight. He was, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't winning that fight. He almost I had, he he almost had, I thought then. he almost had him in the choke. Yeah, but no. But I was like, like, oh, is he going to choke no, him out? No. 
Oh, I know. Yeah. I I always I'm a big McGregor guy. Like I just love his style. I love like he just talks shit when he oh, got yeah. his He's, leg broke. I think it wore on people a little bit. This it did, one yeah. where it's like where he was so nice to him and then mm-hmm. six months Don't later switch up. he like, never should have been nice. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like your husband is your wife is your husband and uh <laughs> And then it's back, you know, and then he's, he's laying on the ground a and he's like giving, you know, he's like saying, fuck you and, and, uh, in the street. Well, they're going to go, they like, got to go again. I don't know, but why? Like Dustin just fucking whomped him for the think? past, like hundred percent. What else is there? I don't know. I don't see that there's a ton of, I mean, it was, he was getting pieced up on his feet and then he just took him down and held him there and elbowed him till he, till he was, uh, you know, blood was gushing out of his nose. What do you think's he, next for Dustin? Like the, the fight, the title, the title. For sure. I think Oliver. he wins it. I think, I think he's he gonna does win too. it. Yeah, I think he does too. Oliveira's a uh, no, no joke. But Dustin is just so good, man. Yeah. All around, like the guy he's is good. just a stud. Yeah, like, he's bigger than McGregor. He is, man. Yeah. And McGregor, you see, he can't can't sleep him. Like he can go no, knock out the one forty fives. Yeah, can't knock out the one fifty fives like that. He uh-huh. hit him with his best left hand, mm-hmm. and Dustin was right there. And mm-hmm. Dustin said it both fights. Remember, Dustin said he hit me with a hard, like real hard left hand. But that's why I think if he does, if McGregor up. does ever fight, he should go down. Yeah, yeah, I think because sure. he's a lot stronger than the one forty fives. But one fifty five, they can eat it a little bit. It's like, like it's probably. like um, um, you know, it's like Habib. Habib does huge weight cuts to make it to that uh, yeah. to that weight class. Yeah. You know, he does really really tough weight cuts. Yeah. But it gives him a huge advantage in the fight. He's mm-hmm. he's a fucking bear. It's crazy that McGregor won at one seventy. That is crazy. To me, like, I watched uh, before last night, me and Z watched the Nate uh, Diaz? two. Yeah. The size difference is insane. I know. It like, really is insane. Diaz is huge and way bigger than him. And to believe Carter's that. He's not a big guy, man. No, he's yeah. not that big. No. And uh, to believe he won that is just, it's insane. What he did, but I think his best days are behind him. The magic is that last night, the magic is gone. That mm-hmm. magic of, like, him getting on the mic spitting fact who the fuck is this guy <laughs> like those are those you know it, it's it seemed too forced it seemed not because yeah. it wasn't because he hadn't been putting the work in because he hadn't been you know he's got a million other things on the go which kudos to him he's as successful as i mean that's the goal when you get into fighting i'm sure to make as much money as possible so i oh, mean yeah. he got the goal but the the sport moves so fast yeah. it's not like nba where the <clears throat> like the 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 rate at which these guys are getting better mm-hmm. is like tenfold of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like the oh, yeah. guys two, three years ago, they're even their step up in competition than they are now. Like there mm-hmm. are every person in the UFC is a hammer. Like mm-hmm. they are not these are not casuals, you know, fighting. This isn't back like ten years ago. Like everyone on that are they are trained killers. Mm-hmm. Like there is no slouch. You yeah. go right down to the thirtieth guy in each division or you know, or woman, they are good. Like they can fight. What do you think's next for McGregor though? Um, Nate Diaz or or retire? Like I don't know why you're. Do you think he retires? What, I can't uh, see him retiring. Like I don't, I don't know. That it does hurt his businesses. I'm sure him yeah. being beaten like that. And, yeah, it does. And it's oh, yeah. kind of embarrassing. I mean, him, you know, saying he's gonna kill him, and he was doing like you know putting a gun to his head to Dustin oh, at the yeah. end. It's kind of just like. It's like, bro, you just got knocked the hell out twice. What are you doing? Like, yeah. come on. Just be a little humble and say, you know, I don't know. Be like a normal person. Why are you saying his wife slide in your DMs? or something? <laughs> It's like, a part of it is hilarious, but another it is part is funny. like, bro, I know. Buddy, come on. Like, yeah. You just have a little bit of, you know, have a little bit of awareness. You just got the brakes beat off you. Do you think Nate Diaz again? 
At 170? Yeah. Uh, that's a good Holy question. I think shit. maybe, yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. I, think I don't know. It's just the easiest. Such a big money fight, and it's uh, it's not the most difficult fight. Well, literally anything with his name on it will be big money fight. Even maybe either s- even either still. Either of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's some. There's going to be the Connor Dick riders that will not. Um, that will not be deterred. Yeah. But there's a lot of people. I think even like myself and a buddy of mine is a big Connor fan, and you know, just where you're. It's kind of like it's hard to cheer for a guy who is so easily playing the heel and, and he's saying, you know, I'm going to come and walk through, I'm going to kill this fool. And then he's, you know, getting the elbow dropped on his head yeah. three minutes into the fight. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it's kind of like, okay. I'm when he was saying that stuff and when he was KOing people in the first magic. round, legendary. Magic. Like, magic. legendary. A good One of my best buddies, Anthony, was at um, that fight in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Alvarez? Alvarez and oh really like, just unbelievable he was saying the energy and the whole like just it was magic like it yeah. was just like he, he was undeniable he was gonna win that and it was yeah. just like it was like he yeah. was coming in there it was his show he's taking that belt and uh, this is the story he had written the story already but it seems like Dustin is like Dustin's right Dustin's his story better, right now for sure yeah, Dustin's better than him for mm-hmm. sure yeah, yeah. no question about that um, yeah so Dustin takes on Charles, yeah. yeah. Takes on Charles Oliveira. And I think Dustin wins. I think so, too. Yeah. Like, it's hard to stop that momentum. Exactly. He's got Especially, momentum. Dude, he hasn't lost, and he's fought, like, studs. He's fought, like, Max Holloway, yeah. Justin Gaethje. Like, just guys that are just absolutely top of the class beat all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's he's got the guys, like, he is on a roll. Who do you think is the best pound for pound? Uh, Kamaru Lisbon. I was going to say that, too. Yeah. yeah. He's, was he 170? Yeah. Yeah, he fits It's like a truck. Yeah, he's big. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, he's. Uh, it'd be him or Adesanya, I'd say probably the. Yeah, one of I like Adesanya too. Yeah, Izzy is a cool dude. Yeah. Izzy seems like a, a really cool dude, but Camaro is um is is just a problem. Why do you he think is. it's like people only really give a shit about like one fifty five and up? Like no one watches like. I don't. Know. I think it's because there's a there's a thing of being like this person is one hundred and thirty pounds. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's less intimidating. That's why heavyweights have always been the kind of like marquee, the most popular people because they're almost like this giant. They're beyond, they're not, it's not normal. It's not, you wouldn't see this person walking around. Like this is like a, this is a specimen where mm-hmm. a 135-er, it's the guy's five foot six who mm-hmm. would, if you saw him sitting here, he would look like me and you. Yeah. You know, but they average take your head off. Yeah. Like it'd be, so it's, it, there's no, the almost intimidation and like, wow. Like this person's larger than life, it's hard for a person I think of five foot five or that's one hundred and twenty five pounds, one hundred and thirty pounds to really capture the public's imagination. Yeah, you know Francis Ngannou, yeah. that guy is terrifying. And yes, he's like, and, but he's you would see him and you're like, holy fuck! Like yeah. this guy's got lunchbox hands and he's yeah. six foot five and he's two seventy. Like he is a monster. And then if you saw the, you know, Brendan Moreno, who's the bantamweight champ, the guy from Mexico mm-hmm. who won recently, he's a hundred and forty pounds. What he walks probably walk around at, he's five foot six, seven, like, you know, may if that and I mean hell of a fighter, but you'd see him and you wouldn't even look twice if you walked past him. But mm-hmm. if you saw Francis walking on the street, you'd be like, Holy shit and you'd be, yeah, you would uh, you would cross the road. I always say that. Like, I always say that. When have you ever, ever seen a guy like that in your life? 
Never. <laughs> on the basketball court, like you might see a guy that tall, yeah, and uh, like you'd see a guy that tall, and and but not like he has meat hanging off him. Like the guy yeah. has like so much muscle. It's just like as you see his back, and he's just like a. I know. It is, he's a specimen. I know. That's terrifying. Yeah. I always, I always say that. Like, when have you ever seen? Like, have you ever been to an NBA game? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, when else have you ever seen like a seven foot guy that's that mobile? That's not an NBA on the NBA court. That's really what it is. Hey, is the Never. mobility, like the, the ability <laughs> yeah. to be so quick on your feet at that size, mm-hmm. is what's really. There's guys that are six five, two sixty, that are huge, but that can't box, can't do MMA, can't strike, no, can't move, can't take hits, have a huge gut. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and then there's Francis. <laughs> that's, you think of how much power it would take to put one of those guys down, a 265-pound man down. So you think he's doing it with one punch. Like, he's just one hit putting him down. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of power that he would have to generate would just be it'd just be fucking crazy. Him just punching, you know, two inches in front of your head, you'd be like, did oh. he hit me? Like, did that, that just, the air coming off his punches <laughs> was violent. Yeah, like dude, that. yeah. <laughs> um, I always think the, I know uh, Desanos had was what was he like a replacement thing yeah yeah and he had to do the weight cut and everything mm-hmm. i always think the weight cut would just kill you brutal that would be one of the things that i would not look forward to the most yeah. like i think i could uh, you know i i'd like to i think i could get over getting punched and getting hit if, yeah. if your adrenaline's pumping but the cut of just like draining your body of all you know fluids and just almost killing yourself to do that mm-hmm. yeah that i would struggle with that i would mm-hmm. not enjoy that and then like there's so much strategy actually to it it's kind of cool yeah where they like cut and then they just eat a shit ton of food in like a day well they know much better now i think yeah. what how to do it safely and and so the guys aren't killing themselves because mm-hmm. it, it was pretty dangerous i mean guys were like you know it can put people in bad positions if you're doing it too fast or too too aggressively trying to drop all the weight like it's you know i think you have to do it in a portion where it's well thought out you're dropping five pounds at a time or trying to you know drop a certain amount of weight and not pushing your body too much and so you're not draining yourself and then just trying to you know fluid yourself hydrate yourself back up but there is a, a pretty good amount of time before they fight yeah. after they weigh in they do yeah. have a, a chance it's crazy how you see how inflated they are like connor i know so so shredded and then you look at his Pecs when he's fighting is so much more full and uh-huh. you know you like you can physically you can see it yeah like how how they drain themselves that's like that is like imagine just the average joe cutting in like no. a day no. they'd die <laughs> the average joe yeah no like l- yeah look at like a day the body difference is it's insane crazy. it is crazy yeah it like connor like, got up absolutely shredded yeah same with dustin shredded yeah. shredded and there's what 155 now. yeah yeah I don't know what they would fight at. One sixty-five, probably yeah. one seventy. Yeah. You know, they fight. They fight fifteen pounds over that. there. Yeah, you in see a, the fifteen a pounds. Day and a half, basically. Yeah. Whew. Um, what else was it? I was gonna say, uh, Pereira, uh, Michelle or Michelle yes. might be my favorite. Might be my new favorite fighter. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> is that even? That is, like, I know. You watch it, you're almost like, like you said, you're like, is that even, can you do that? Like, yeah. is that even a real move? Like, I don't I don't even think it's a real move. I think he's just, my man's just out there putting on a show. Yeah. He does, He can only do one pace. And when he was fighting, it's funny because he, um, 
he fought Nico Price, who was a stud. Like, yeah. Nico fought right to the end there. Yeah. And that he absolutely gave it his all. But that Michelle is, like, so that kick off the fence Superman. I know. So like, he's got some moves where you're like, whoa. whoa. And the flip, like, he did that flip kick, like, yeah. to where he tried to drop a heel kick on him. Yeah. Like, the guy's a lunatic. But yeah, it's very entertaining. It is entertaining. Well, it's entertaining when you see someone that doesn't... Uh, it doesn't like move conventionally. Yes. Like yeah. I think I to me that's just fascinating. Like early Connor in his like spinning kicks and shit yeah. was just like, whoa. You know what I mean? He's not doing he, he's, I mean he's not really doing that now. No, he's, and you see but you see guys that like Stephen Thompson. Yeah. Like he does it. There's a more guys now with that style of kind mm-hmm. of karate style. And you see five years what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Like Connor was the only person doing that. Mm-hmm. Now it's like Connor's getting outstruck on his feet by Dustin. Like Dustin's a better mm-hmm. could be a better striker than Connor, mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's a short amount of time. Like mm-hmm. you see how much better Dustin got, and Connor is probably still that same guy or right around the same guy when he fought Dustin Poirier. But Dustin's like four years ahead. Yeah. You know, Dustin's stronger everywhere. He took him to the ground, holds him there, beats him, and then was beating him on his feet. You know, yeah. you see, he's just better at mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah. The window is short. Very, very short. Even shorter, that'd probably be one of the shortest in the sport, oh, like yeah. the sports world. Yeah. You know, because NBA basketball, you can stay on top for a little while once you get your spot and you get established. And but MMA, they're coming for your neck, and you're fighting killers. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get a you don't get a fight off. You know, you're not no. fighting a bum. Like you're fighting. <laughs> like the next fight is like for a title or just an absolute. It's just stud That's after right. stud. You're not like, fighting like you're not going against the. Detroit Pistons. Yeah, no, exactly. There's no, uh, yeah, there's no road trip to the Sacramento Kings that you're you're hitting before you go. You're fighting just absolutely a, assassins every time you're stepping in the ring. Someone who can just put your lights out. Like, what a crazy career path. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen like the first UFC? Oh yeah. UFC one. Yeah. Um, what a difference, eh? Like, what? How much is that? When was that? Ninety. Yeah, it was in the nineties, and it, it's just really? crazy to see how mainstream it is. I think I know. that's the like. It's crazy to see how everyone watches it now, and it is so accepted in practice because it was looked at so as uh, such a brutality, such a terrible, like such a violent sport for so long. But then people see there's there's art in it, and there's like just the competitive will of one person challenging another person and it's just like who's gonna break physically mentally you know it's like the most purest form of competition it's not like it's like lebron versus kevin durant one-on-one like what a you know it's like the stakes are so high you know it's like you're fighting there's people could lose their life in theory in those octagons so it's it's just like every you're at the right at the edge of your seat as you're watching and people it's just caught on like wildfire and the the pandemic that was a huge help where UFC was the only live sport on so that's the only thing people could watch and then people were like holy smokes even the prelims like these people that are just they're fighting so hungry to get a spot that Mm. these are like every fight is entertaining and the girls are like they are kick ass man some of the girls are just unbelievable so skilled scary and their 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 learning curve and the rate that they're getting better is even more than the men like the the women are getting better faster than the men are so you see even like there are there were you know probably five really legit women fighters now there's probably 30 really legit women fighters who can hit and take shots and you know it's it's changing fast people you think of amanda nunez and those that the fact that she's been the champ and double champ like it's pretty amazing no mm-hmm. one's even been able to really 
hold a candle to her. Like she is, she's a, she's a real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary. Good how some how some of those how good some of those women are and how tough. Like, did you see that girl last with night? The hole in her head. Oh like, my god, man! She, she had a coin purse in her forehead. Yeah, and she's out there showing. <laughs> she's out there like clapping and just blood drip gushing down into her face, and she's smiling. It's like you're, and that's you're an you're animal. Just, like, you are an animal. Like that yeah. is so much respect to you to be able to get in there and do that. Yeah, like I could never do that. I know. No, yeah, that hole was huge, huge. Um, you could have just slipped your finger, like right. You could have just yeah. slipped your finger right in there. Poked around. Yeah, dropped there. the toonie right in the top <laughs> of it, man. It was, it was gnarly. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyways, yeah, it's good. It's a good one. Um, any big fights coming up? I know, is two sixty five set? I'm not sure. That's a good question. That this, I feel like this was such a build up to this it one was, with Connor yeah. and and those guys. Um, I don't know who's yeah who's coming down the pipes next. I know Derek Lewis is fighting. Cyril gone. Who's the heavyweight guys there? That's uh, I don't know what John Jones is gonna do. You know that's what everyone's uh, people are thinking. That I mean, Ngannou wants to fight him clearly. That would That'd be a great be fight. Huge I'd love fight. to just love to see it. It's it's a uh, people say just pay him, but then you you know, I don't know. I feel like that's not the best way to go about getting the money of coming out and like trashing on the company and and doing. I feel like it's just not the right way you could have had a better strategy to get what you want and hype the fight up you know and right yeah demand the money but also do it in a way where you like you do it just more classy and mm-hmm. where where you could it doesn't look like you're working in bad faith because i really want to see that fight so it's disappointing that I know. john jones doesn't like and the two of them they can't just go and like talk to each other but it's like a soap opera you know that's yeah like, it's like a guy's soap opera i know it, it basically is that's why i think like the UFC just like dick rides Connor so much because they're, he's just so good for their business. Oh yeah, or he yeah. he was because so people good. love to hate him and they love to love and him. watch him and stuff. Love to watch him. It's like Floyd or any of those yeah. guys. When you get a character like that, people are so emotionally connected to him because they've seen what Connor like. All my buddies who are Connor fans were because they saw him just tear through the division mm-hmm. five years ago. Mm-hmm. But then you see like it's it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they brought so many eyes to like the UFC, like big time. Yeah, yeah, big time. It's a totally different thing. The fact they're on ESPN and stuff. They had Stephen A. and Max Kellerman up yeah. there last night. Yeah, like that's you know the it's like it is mainstream. It's a it's total mainstream. mainstream thing. Like that's how you wake up in the morning. That's what they're talking about on all the Sports Center, TSN. Like five years ago, it was not like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. your discretion is advised on yeah. Spike TV. You remember that? You remember <laughs> watching those? Spike TV. Those, yeah. yeah, you would get off a game of Halo and then go over and watch the the UFC, Chuck Liddell or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's awesome. the there's the old heads that will always be there. Oh yeah, um, man. But uh, yeah, I think uh, that's it. I mean, what else do you want to say? Do you want to? What's your? Uh, you know your Instagram, your socials. Promote anything you want. Oh man, I think that <clears throat> the uh, two friends and I we started a uh, uh, business, Vision Property Management, where we do anything uh, property related. We can do you know full construction, new builds. We um, specialize in secondary suites. So with 
you know the market the rental market is so crazy right now oh, I know. so Fuck. people what we've and i've didn't i've done this in dartmouth to my the home that i live in now i have someone who rents it downstairs for me so i put in a kitchen put in a total separate door and so it's a two-bedroom downstairs yeah and they basically cover my whole rent or my mortgage sorry yeah my home, so i live for free yeah and so we've been kind of doing this with some of our friends of we help them find a home help them get pre-approved um, even all everything from closing the house, we have a real estate agent that we work with, and we construct these secondary units so you can pay your whole mortgage with one of the units and then make the money off the second. Um, and that's something that we've started. We started in uh, May. We officially launched, and and we've been uh, had some good success with it early, and it's something that's going to grow. And and uh, it's it's a um, a business of passion too because that's something real estate is something I've always been interested in and this city I feel like is is going to just explode and you can see it's already happening but in the next 10 to 15 years this is a place that you want to own as much real estate as possible because it's going to be worth a pretty penny in 10 15 years mm-hmm. you know and and people the 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 secrets out Nova Scotia is a good place to live yeah Halifax and Dartmouth yeah specifically so I feel like more and more people are going to come flock in here so if you can have a piece of the of the pie you're doing good i see so i see that more often now um just with people trying to like cover it and say almost like live for free per se yeah and uh yeah i see that like the properties for say a property's for sale and then there's a add-on or rental spot mm-hmm. to it right there too um, yeah, it just helps so much, like in terms of covering the month or the year, blah blah blah, or whatever. Well, it's um, passive income. It's the whole exactly. Thing. Like I could talk yeah. an hour about passive income yeah. and what it, you know. That's the future of of um, the future of, and that gives you freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, and the key in having a property management business, uh, someone who would take the phone calls and manage the tenants, mm-hmm. that frees you up where you don't have the burden of having to. You could just purchase real estate mm-hmm. with no burden of having to maintain the tenants handle all that stuff you pay a company to do it and um, you know it would be in your situation if you say just for example if you lived at home and to buy a uh, income property like that you imagine you had both sides rented you'd make 1500 a month per mm-hmm. property clearing that mm-hmm. you know there's no investment you can go in and make 20% return you know you imagine if you put 20,000 down you're able to make 2,000 a month mm-hmm. like that's phenomenal Mm -hmm. and it's so we the people that we've done it so far it's you know the success has been like it's it's been such a good idea even from the tenant side there's nowhere to rent so the fact that people have places to rent and we do the apartments nice like they're new you know they're they're modern they're very sharp and uh, the construction you know is relatively inexpensive and then you get that money back because the value of the home goes up and then that monthly uh, rental income, you know, it's just a, it's a good formula for real estate success. And it's something that will continue to work. So we like working with a lot of the same people over and over. You know, if you wanted to continue to purchase and continue to do that and buy a bigger building and save and, you know, put that into uh, other uh, real estate farms. But that's that's kind of our been our goal with vision. And, um, and that will just grow naturally, you know, I think over time and oh, any yeah. construction company like that, it's off referrals and work and it's it's interesting to learn it compared to the spa industry, you know, very different industries, but but still very, uh, very similar. Mm-hmm. Once you build up enough of a business um, and I guess 
properties in this case. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just cash cow. Yeah. I've seen it. I have seen it. Um, kind of at the top, and it's just crazy yeah. the stuff that you can do um, once you get the capital and stuff like that. Um, what else was I gonna? And there's only such. There's only a certain amount of space. Exactly. That's why I love real estate. Certain amount of space, especially in Halifax and Dartmouth, mm-hmm. and you see it out where kind of I live in Hams Plains, where the city is almost getting pushed out because yes. there's no space. Yes. The city is so relatively right small, and say a place like Larry Utech. Yeah. That was literally not there. 10 years ago. <laughs> that place is a trip, man. Every time I go there, there's like a brand new building that mm-hmm. wasn't there like three months ago. Th- that was not, like, I remember growing up, I'd always kind of get on the highway to go to Halifax there. Yeah. I'd have to go all the way past Green Lake. That was not there. Yeah. Like, there was nothing there. Now um, it's a whole community. Now it's like, absolutely huge. Yeah. And I think agreed with the um, population, I'd say, kind of increasing and more people being aware of, you know, living conditions out here i'd say um it's it's only going to go up flexibility to work from home yeah because people see in these big cities if you can work from home you're living exactly in toronto what's the point exactly you know you can have a lot of the same amenities in a city like this for less just less people less traffic lower cost of living mm-hmm. you know it, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah people work in uh, people work from home from here but work technically in Ontario exactly. or BC or blah 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 yep. yeah yeah. see people moving rural like moving outside of the city mm-hmm. and in any of those big cities Calgary, Toronto um, doing an hour commute is nothing mm-hmm. so Truro Elmsdale mm-hmm. those are two places that buy something there because yeah. that will very quickly, you can afford things out there. It's a hundred thousand, or you know, one hundred forty thousand. You can buy a place for relatively cheap, and it is one that the it is it has all the infrastructure to grow, and that's yeah. the key: is that it has all the systems set in place for that town to just keep growing and grow out. And uh, it's a place that, as the it becomes not affordable to live in the city people will move outside yeah. and they will move out to those places because they'll say well I only come to the city twice a week so I'll live outside and an hour drive 55 minutes is not that much mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing is like for us kind of that kind of live in HRM like that is so to me that's always like oh that's so rural like it's yeah, so you rural. Think it's it so far out yeah. there it's not that far no <laughs> it's really it's, not it's not and there is like i do think people realize now with the pandemic and like the housing bubble that's kind of going on yeah um because i used to work in elmsdale at the physio clinic was in elmsdale okay yeah and i talked to some people that would be i would say oh my house is going up for sale and it would be substantial for what for what you know i would typically think a house that size in elmsdale would be um but yeah, no, that's uh, that's great, and there'll always be a market for real estate. People can only go so far, you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, and they're great little, they're beautiful little spots, beautiful communities, and <clears throat> and um, Halifax is there's too many people. Like I, the one of the the person that rents from me downstairs, one of them is an immigration lawyer, mm-hmm. and they're saying they're like it. There's not people are going. Well, there's a bubble. There's a real estate bubble, and you talk to a real estate agent, they know there isn't a bubble like mm-hmm. this will it, even if it dips it will go up because there's too many people that are moving here too many immigrants moving here combined with the fact of just people that in Canada moving here 
Yeah. So the combination of two, it's like, and even how many East Indian people do you see now? Mm-hmm. Compared to when we were growing up 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the like such a you know less number of that population and that's one indication too where you're like okay there's national programs to put to send immigrants here you know which is it is a good thing it's Mm -hmm. like okay it stimulates the economy you see some of the it helps with job growth and and uh, i just hope that they would incentivize more businesses to move here you know that would be the another really good thing is to incentivize more businesses here to create more jobs and more jobs that can people can afford to live in dartmouth and halifax and and uh or just outside, people that will commute, you know, mm-hmm. and live in Truro and live in Elmsdale or live in some of those other places, mm-hmm. even the Valley, you know, and yep. Wolfville, like places like that, they're going to get more and more popular and more and more people will move out there as, uh, as they can do their job from home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you said, I think the work from home thing, it's not here to stay, but it's here to stay, not five days a week, but one, two, three, yeah. you know what I mean? Exactly. Like you don't always need to go in especially with the technology and stuff that we have, yeah. you don't always need to go into the office every day. Yeah. Um, so that, again, incentivize people to like stay home and stay stay rural almost, yeah. so you don't need to live you know, in a pricey urban area, basically. As long as you get a superstore, a grocery store, or something to go to, and a you know, park and things close, and people are, you know, why would you live downtown Halifax and pay two thousand mm-hmm. dollars for one bedroom mm-hmm. when you could have pay two thousand dollars have a whole house, mm-hmm. you know, or have a big yard and ha- you know people are kind of going ah oh, hmm I don't really my lifestyle I don't need to why the heck am I down here like yeah. I'm just paying a lot just to be close to things that now with the the shutdown I can't even use mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly all right man all right bro thanks for thanks yeah me. yeah what a treat. <laughs>